You are listening to a sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com slash sermons. We've entitled our study of the book of Ruth, A Story of Faithful Redemption. Because we find in this story, uh, we find uh, uh, Boaz, uh, who acts in great faithfulness uh, to Ruth and to Naomi as well, that he does for them uh, everything that uh, one would hope. He does for them everything that uh, generosity and provision of the law uh, provided, uh, even more so maybe in his generosity than could have otherwise even have been uh, expected. And so uh, Boaz just really does a superb job. And he, he does so as, and this will be one of the key words in the book of Ruth, a word that appears 23 times in the book of Ruth, the, the Hebrew word gaal, G-A-A-L, or I've also seen it G-A-E-L, gaal, gael. This word uh, and uh, words of that it have it is its root appear twenty three times in the book of Ruth hasn't occurred yet in our readings, but it will tonight a couple of times, and we'll see it all the more again in chapter four. And so this work of redemption, uh, this work of uh, that's done as by a kinsman, by one who has a, a, a familial a family responsibility uh, that he meets and exceeds and we have in in english it gets translated this word gaol gets translated in two different ways which appear to us to be not related at all uh sometimes this word in some of our english bibles is called a relative or a kin or kinsman and sometimes it's redeemer and there's some of these passages in Ruth, it's almost difficult to tell which would be the better English rendering of the word. Should it be relative or should it be re- uh, redeemer? Uh, in Ruth uh, 2.20, which we'll get to in a bit, Naomi says, May he be blessed of Jehovah, who has not withdrawn his kindness from the living and to the dead. And Naomi said to her, this man is our relative. He is one of our closest relatives. Our relative, our closest relative. But in other translations, it says, he is one of our redeemers. Or I really like uh, the uh, Christian standard. It says he's one of our family redeemers. And so this word means both redeemer and close relative. And you're like, what is the connection there? How, how come one word would cover both of those? And how come we can't tell in English sometimes which one it should be? And the reason for that is because under the law, and think about the law of Moses for the tribes of Israel, they didn't have a lot of civic structure, didn't have any kind of bureaucracy. Uh, they didn't have people who like, you know, their job was to be a judge. They had people who were judges. But, you know, in the daytime, they were farmers. In the, on the Sabbath, 
And when the things came up, they were as elders of the community, they would be judges. Uh, you didn't have a police force. If somebody did evil that required punishment, uh, the family members would take them to the elders. Uh, most famously, you know, if a uh, son uh, curses his parents or if he's a, a drunkard and a, and a sluggard, his parents take him to the elders and say, this is our son, this is what he's done, and the elders on that testimony would stone him. Can't imagine a lot of ch parents turn their children in. Although, well, maybe some did. Today I know a few that like to. But these things were done in a familiar way, not a bureaucratic way. And so this word Gael, even at times in the Old Testament, it means avenger. So if somebody were to harm, especially if they were to kill someone, a family representative would be the legal authority to go and be the avenger of blood. And if you needed to flee from that person, you'd go to the city of refuge and you could plead to the priest there uh, that the, the killing had been accidental. But if it hadn't been accidental, uh, they would turn you over to the avenger. And the avenger is the same. Here is the redeemer. It's the same as the near relative. And so there's a lot of duties that the families took care of. And this is a familial duty. So this is the kinsman redeemer that uh, Ruth is ultimately going to need and ultimately going to depend on. So as we go into chapter 2, enter our faithful kinsman redeemer, and of course we know that that man is Boaz. He's the one who'll meet that role. There was somebody else, but he did not prove up to the task. Uh, he uh, refused uh, to take care of this situation, and he passed it on and said, no, Boaz, it's all yours. And to Boaz's credit, he did it and was greatly blessed. So, uh, Ruth chapter 2, verse 1, beginning. Now, Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Isn't it nice to have a rich relative, especially a nice one, especially a gracious one? And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after one in whose sight I might find, might find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So let me go. We need to eat. Let me go get some ears of grain. It was the time of the barley harvest. Let me go get some grain that we can eat. Now this again, based on the law, uh, the law provided in Israel, that uh, Leviticus 19, when you would reap the harvest of your land, you would not reap to the very corners of the field. You would not gather again the gleanings of the harvest. So if you miss it the first time, uh, because it wasn't ripe, it wasn't worth picking, uh, just because you happened to overlook it, uh, your servant wasn't really good about picking everything off the stem. Whatever was left, you left it. You didn't go back and try to take a second harvest from the same fields. And of your vineyards, and of if any fruit fell to the ground, uh, then that stayed there for the poor to come get. And so if the grapes hit the ground, or the apples, or the the olives, or the or the whatever, the berries of, of whatever you were growing, that was to be left, it said, Leviticus 19 and verse 10. That is to be left for the needy and the stranger. I am Jehovah your God. And so Jehovah made this, made this provision 
Uh, Deuteronomy 24, it's repeated again. If somebody drops a sheaf of, a sheaf of grain, you leave it for the widow, for the orphan, for the alien, that the Lord your God may bless you in the work of your land. When you beat the olive tree, don't go over the, the branches again, but leave it for the alien, the orphan, and the widow. And again, the grapes of harvest, you don't go over it again. Leave it for the alien, the orphan, the widow. And so the poor were provided for in this way. The extras of the field, the excess of the harvest, the, the things that you hadn't taken, they could go into your fields. And after you had got your crop, they could get some too. And so verse 3, she departed and went ahead and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the portion of a field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. And so she's got hope that this relative will help. Uh, she's found herself uh, in his fields. And now she's going to uh, do the thing that the law uh, said was uh, for her to do to uh, provide for her and hers, which was her and Naomi. And she's going to go out there and rely on Boaz's provision and his uh, acceptance of these restrictions of the law and his generosity to leave it. She's going to depend on his provision to make provision for herself. We also find the gracious attitude of uh, Naomi and Boaz, of, of, of uh, Ruth, of everyone involved. And so often we study this story because of the wonderful personal qualities that these people have. And so that's what we'll get if we uh, look at it in uh, a Bible, uh, like a vacation Bible school type setting with the kids. Or that's so often, I think, the emphasis in the ladies' Bible class where the ladies are looking at the text. And, and uh, uh, these things are left as moral examples for us, gracious examples for us. And certainly there's, there's great value in that. And don't we all want more graciousness, more kindness, uh, more help? Uh, uh, we want those attitudes uh, to be installed in, in, the, in the children. And we're, we're glad when, when our wives uh, look to these things and our mothers and our sisters and, and these uh, beautiful qualities. But that's not the only thing of the story. Uh, that's an important piece of the story, and that's why we're so attracted to these people, and that's why our attention turns to Ruth over and over again, because it's just such a nice group of really likable people. There's no villain in the story. Uh, there's the tragedy of the story, uh, to which only you can, you know, Naomi losing her uh, her husband and her sons, and you can just take that with the patience of Job and, and say, you know, the Lord uh, giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Uh, but there's no real villain here. And so that's a nice thing in this story. But the kindness is not the primary thing. Now, we do note that that kindness is based on the law of God, and we appreciate those good fruits of people who follow after the teaching of God. But that's not the point of the story. The point of the story here is the provision of God and the, the wonderful uh, rescue that Boaz gives to Naomi and to Ruth uh, in, in the way that the law provided. And he really is a type of Christ for us, uh, taking uh, this one uh, to whom he really extends himself greatly and giving her every blessing. It's uh, her, uh, Ruth's helplessness, uh, Ruth's alienation. That's, that's us in our sin. And the reception and provision is God's providence, and it's God's provision for us 
and then the ultimate acceptance, uh, as Boaz does for Ruth and, and uh, Naomi, her family with her, of Christ for us. All right, back to our text, the, 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 the lovely story and how these facts play out. Verse 4, now behold, Boaz had come from Bethlehem. So he'd come out of town, out to his fields. And he said to the reapers, may Jehovah be with you. <laughs> Isn't it nice when your employer comes out and greets you in the name of the Lord? And they greet him back. May the Lord bless you. Man, this would make a nice Hallmark story, wouldn't it? A faithful story in a Hallmark fashion. We can almost just picture, you know, the uh, the, the sun gently rising, the you know the the golden hue of the fields and and uh, of the of the morning sun, and just a lovely pastoral scene where everybody has respect for one another as they ought. And, and man, after reading the book of Judges, which is right before this, what a relief to find these people uh, caring for the things of God and caring for one another. So Boaz says to the head servant in charge of the reapers. Hey, uh, whose young woman is this? Who is she again? What's what's her thing? And the servant in charge of the reapers answered and said, She is the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. And so Ruth hasn't been in town long, but her story's known. And so this you know, reminds us of the human connections. Uh, what does it say in the book of Romans? No one lives to himself. No one dies to himself. Whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. But these people are interconnected. It's not a large town. They know each other, and they know their story, each other's stories. And, and, you know, a lot of times people know more about us than we even like to think. They know what we're about. They, they know. They got a summary uh, of our life story in their head. And I think sometimes that's why people say, you know, I don't want to live in a small town. Everybody knows everybody's business. Well, what a blessing if your business is good and well-tended to, right? And sometimes people say, I don't want to be in a small church. Everybody, they're right on top of each other. They know each other too well. Uh, that, that should be a blessing to us, as it was here in this little town. But her story was known. And so she, he says, she said, he's reporting to Boaz, what uh, Ruth had asked. She says, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Well, she asked permission to do what the law allowed. But even though the law allowed it, she is a foreigner. And she is new to this, and she is respectful, and she's nice, and she's kind, and she knows she's on their field. Again, the law allowed it. They shouldn't have ever forbid her if she wanted to, but she, she observes propriety and courteousness, and, and she's hardworking. And man, who doesn't like a lady like that? Who doesn't like a fellow like that, old or young? We like people that are courteous, that are hardworking, that are respectful. And so these kind of people like her, they don't stay needy long when they have those qualities most of the time. Well, she said, can I gather after the reapers? And she's remained with us from morning until now. And she's been sitting in the, in a, the house for a little while. And so she's taking a little break because she's been working all day. And so that's what she's here for. And that's why she's here, taking a break after hard work. And so Boaz says to her, listen carefully, my daughter. Do not glean in another field. Furthermore, do not go on from this one, but stay here with my maids. So you stay with my, you stay with my ladies. You stay with my servants. Uh, might be some daughters, some nieces. Uh, might be some other relatives of his out there. His retinue of people, the, the ones who are going to be looked after and seen after and 
provided for and protected out there because, again, this is the time of judges when everybody was doing what was right in their own eyes. And who knows what might happen at another field? Who knows what might happen if she, this foreigner, is alone? And so stay, stay with my people. You stay with my ladies. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap, and you go after them. Indeed, I have commanded the servants not to touch you. When you're thirsty, you go to the water jars, and you drink from what the, ser- the servants draw. So you don't have to go get your own water. Uh, you're you're going to be provided for. You stay here. You're going to be protected, and you're going to be provided for. So this is the kindness of Boaz. Uh, as soon as he knows who this is, as soon as he is reminded of what her story is, this is the provision that's offered even before she asks. So food, water, protection. And here we note her graciousness. Here we note her humility. She, it says, fell on her face. She bowed down to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me? Since I am a foreigner. And so this, when somebody was, uh, for a person of higher authority, begging a favor, showing gratitude, uh, this was the common way. In the story of David, uh, there's the lady who eventually becomes his wife named Abigail, who entreats David in the same way uh, when she needs a favor. And so uh, she's doing the full respectful approach. Uh, she's doing everything uh, that the propriety and courtesy uh, would have suggested, and in grace, uh, ex- expressing her gratitude for the grace, provision, and protection given. And notice what Boaz says. Again, we, we had the little summary of what his uh, steward had said, but Boaz knows this story well. And uh, he didn't recognize Ruth by sight, but he knew her story well, much more than what the, uh, the steward had told him. And so this story was well known. He says, All that you've done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me and how you left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and came to a people that you did not previously know. May the Lord reward your work and your wages be full from the Lord Jehovah, the God of Israel, under whose wing you have come to seek refuge. So she's eventually... As we know, no spoilers here. We know the story of Ruth. She's eventually on this earth going to find her full protection under the wings of Boaz. He's going to spread his wings over her, as we use that uh, figure there. He he spreads his wings over her. He protects her and provides for her fully, makes her uh, eventually his wife. But we note why he does that, why he thinks this foreigner, who's been in town for 10 minutes, why he thinks that she is worthy of that, and why he blesses her such now that she is working, that she is faithful, that she relies on Jehovah, that she has sought refuge in Jehovah. And so if Boaz is a type and figure of Christ, Ruth here is the type and figure of the repentant sinner, of the one who finds uh, in Jehovah hope and comes and seeks uh, his help and depends fully in complete trust and faith that it will work well if she's in Jehovah. And so Boaz blesses her in Jehovah's name. One of the things that comes up, there's 
some instruction about avoidance of the nations round about. There's seven whole tribes of Canaan that the children of Israel are not to intermarry with. Of the people of Moab, they're not to enter into the sanctuary of the Lord until the 10th generation. No Moab, no Moabite's supposed to come in. She's not a Moabite anymore. Yes, yes, we know. That's where she's from. But she now comes as one who's a servant of Jehovah, a believer in the Lord. And so verse 13, she says, I have found favor in your sight, my Lord, and for you have comforted me. And indeed, you've spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. So you're treating me like one of your own, even though I am not. And she says, I, I do. I greatly appreciate that. I understand the generosity that you're extending to me. And at the mealtime, so he'd already said, hey, get, get water that we've already drawn. Now, when it's time to eat, when it's mealtime, Boaz said, come here that you may eat the bread and dip your piece of bread in vinegar. So come share a meal with us. My, my people are here working and uh, he's treating her like one of his own uh, retinue. So come eat with us, please. So she sat beside the reapers and he served her roasted grain and she ate and was satisfied and had some left. And so again, we just find this uncommon graciousness. We find this uncommon generosity. We find these people in this horrible time of the judges acting fully as God intended people to act toward one another. That was rare enough in Israel. It's all the rare to find one of Moab who is participating in this. But such as her uh, the character and such as the thing she's found in the Lord. And so verse 15, when she rose to glean, Boaz commanded his servants, hey, come over here, I've got to tell you something. He said, let her glean even among the sheaves and don't insult her. So let her come in the first pickings. She doesn't need to pick the leftovers. You let her pick at the same place as you're harvesting. So she's going to harvest with my harvesters, except she gets to take it home. So they're harvesting to put in Boaz's barns. But Boaz is going to feed them and Boaz is going to house them. And Boaz is going to treat them like a good man ought. But she's gleaning. Uh, like a, a, a poor person. She's gleaning for herself from his field, but he said, let her have the first, not just the leftovers. And we're going to let her take it home because we know she's not just out here getting something to sell at the market. She's out here to provide for her mother-in-law. She's out here to provide for the one she's escorted back to her hometown and brought back to Israel. So let her glean among the sheaves. Don't insult her. And also you shall purposely pull out for her some grain in bundles and leave it that she may glean and don't rebuke her. So again, we, we saw from Deuteronomy, if somebody dropped a sheave that's already been, you know, um, you know, picked and bound and, you know, you, you tie up the sheave uh, with, uh, with a piece of the straw. And so you got a nice bundle there to take right on in uh, to the barn, drop a few. The law said if you dropped one, you had to leave it. Well, just make sure you drop one. We're going to make sure she gets plenty. And so she gleaned in the field until evening. She beat out what she gleaned. That's a long day. <laughs> All day of gleaning, a little rest at the house in the shade for a bit, a little rest at the mealtime. And then after you do, after you've, after you picked it, then you got to separate the, you know, the, the head of the grain and the chaff. So you beat it out. And so she's had a full 
long day. And we see how productive that is. She had about an ephah of barley. I, I really like it when we get these technical uh, uh, measurements. Uh, an ephah was somewhere between 20 and 25 pounds. She's got here half a bushel. She has got half a bushel of finished grain to take home. Uh, she's, that just tells you how big the sack was she'd been working on all day and how long she probably had to beat these things out. But she has got a really good day's work course. It was made easier for her by his, uh, Boaz's generosity, but she had done a full day's work. So she comes home to her mother-in-law, and she gave it to Naomi. So she works all day to give it over to the mother-in-law, just like ladies today. Just like we ought to today. She gives it to the head of the family. She says, this is what we're going to eat. I wonder how long 20, 25 pounds of barley would last as, as far as bread would go. Uh, would that be would that be a month worth for them? I don't know. Probably not. But uh, she's got more to go tomorrow. So where'd you glean? And she said, may whoever took notice of you be blessed. I think Naomi realizes you didn't get this just by yourself. Somebody helped you. Somebody protected you. Somebody did well for you. So she told her mother-in-law who it was she'd worked with. And she said, the name of the man with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi told her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed of Jehovah, who did not withdraw his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, this man is our, here it is, Gael, our relative, one of our closest. So he's our family redeemer. The man in the family whose job it is to help us out. Uh, he's the, the man if something happened to us, the man who would set it right. This is the man. You have come to the man uh, who is one of our very nearest relatives. And Ruth the Moabite said, furthermore, he said to me, you should stay close to my servants until they have finished all my harvest. So that wasn't a one day deal. For as long as the harvest is going on, she can be with his workers. She can have from his wells. It'd probably be lunch provided. And so uh, he says, come work with me for the full time. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his maids, lest others fall upon you in another field. Uh, we, we note the intrusion here of realism. Of, of, of knowledge of the real threats that are around. Yeah, that's a wonderful field where the master comes out and all the servants say, may Jehovah bless you. And he says to all of them back, and may the Lord bless you too. And all is done well and right, but it's not that way in every house. It's not that way in every field around Bethlehem. Bethlehem in, in those fields for this foreign lady, for probably any lady out there by herself, it, it's a place with obvious and known dangers. Again, it's a time when everybody in society was doing what was right in their own eyes. But just thank the Lord that some of them, what was right in their eyes was adherence to the law, faithfulness to God. And so she continued till the end of the harvest, verse 23. She stayed close by the maids of Boaz in order to glean until the end of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. So she's out there for two harvests full. And so uh, this house now probably has enough food to get them through, or at least, uh, boy, so much better than they were. And so this humble approach, this graciousness, 
this uh, gratitude that she has and the provision of Boaz, these all work. These all work well. So then we find, as we go into chapter 3, uh, we're going to move this up to another level. This has been wonderful so far. This has been what the law said to do. But now that uh, he's had through two harvests, uh, an ability to find out about Ruth, to see was, you know, was, was she a one-day Johnny? Was she out there hardworking one day and <laughs> not so much the next? But, or she, she no, she's out there the whole time. He's come to know her qualities better. He's come to better appreciate her. And she's also seen what he has been, not just on one good day, but day after day. And during two harvests, there must have been some bad days. There would have been some setbacks, right? Would, would there be a, would days that rain fell or days that it was really hot, days that it was hard work, <laughs> days where the fields you're doing is going uphill all day, uh, days when people were late with the lunch or whatever else happens at harvest time, all these things that would have been irritants and all these things that would have, you know, as people worked hard day after day, get on people's nerves. They would have seen what the, uh, the people involved were really like. So Naomi says, chapter 3, my daughter, not my daughter-in-law, my daughter. She's been a daughter to her. She's been more family than her family. My daughter, shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you? And so uh, let me let me find you the next thing. Uh, you know, you as a young lady, as a young single lady, you can go work those fields this year, probably next year, probably for a while. But it's not your life. It shouldn't be your life that you have to glean uh, and that you remain in this poverty and that we remain in this uh, condition of, of uh, so much dependence on others without a uh, more permanent solution. She says, let me get you some security. Is not Boaz, verse 2, our kinsman, again, that's that kinsman redeemer, the one who has some responsibility based on relationship. Oh, is he not our kinsman who's made you were? Behold, he is win he winnows barley at the threshing floor tonight. Wash yourself, therefore, and anoint yourself and put on your best clothes and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to a man until he's finished eating and drinking. And it shall be when he lies down that you will notice what place he lies and you shall go and uncover his feet and lie down. And then he'll tell you what to do. Now, this is not the part we usually cover at the vacation Bible school. That uncovering of one's feet. There is language in the scriptures where that euphemistically means more than uncovering just, you know, the tootsies. Uh, and this is the place of repose that one would have after the lying down and uncovering uh, takes place. Now, there's no intimation in this text here that there's anything untoward happens, but she has come to him in a semi-aggressive way, in a very forward way, in a way that's kind of shocking to him in a situation when he finds that she's there. And certainly anybody that saw them, she laying uh, at his feet, on his feet, under the edge of his robe, they would, I think, surely assume that more happened than did. Now, there are those who are unbelievers. There are those there, uh, who uh, look for 
details in Bible stories uh, so that they can give a shocking explanation. And they'll tell you that this is euphemistic language for so much more than what is actually said. I think it's similar to that. It, 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 it ends up in a position where that would, be, would appear to be. But what it's saying is that she would be welcome to him, welcome him for that kind of approach. Now, again, it's going to be in marriage. And that kind of approach in marriage is right. And that's part of the marriage relationship and being one flesh. She's saying in this laying down, they're at his feet like this, that she's open to that. And he's kind of surprised because he says, I'm an older guy and, and you're, uh, you're a young gal. And I, it kind of implies you're a pretty young gal. You could find, you could find another husband. But it's this relationship of kinship of him, the redeemer that she's seeking, not just uh, uh, the passions of the flesh. And so he blesses her for this. So verse five, and we'll understand where the text does imply some things, but also the limits of what the text implies. And so she said, he, she said to her, so Ruth to Naomi, I will do all you say. So chapter three, verse six. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to what her mother-in-law had commanded. When Boaz had eaten and drunk, his heart was merry. One of the things it says, you know, in the Psalms, that uh, makes men's heart glad. And so uh, he's, having a, he's having a good year. He's had a good harvest. He's, he's putting the harvest in the barn. Uh, at the end of the day, he's now eaten and drunk. And he goes to lie down on the top of a heap of grain. So he's sleeping out there in the barn, ready to walk back to his house in town. Going to be probably starting up early again in the morning. Well, he lied down on the top of the heap. She came secretly and uncovered his feet and lie down. And so she's lifted up the end of his robe. She's going to sleep on top of his feet there. Her His robe will be, you know, her... Uh, covering there uh, for the night as she sleeps. Again, anybody who came by would assume so much more would have taken place. But I, I think it's a, a symbol uh, and an obvious token that she is would accept that kind of approach from him. He didn't make it, but she signaled that, uh, that uh, she would be more than willing if he wanted to do that. Again, in the confines of marriage, as we'll find as the story unfolds. So, it happened in the middle of the night. He was startled. I guess so. You went to bed alone, and you wake up with somebody there with you. And he bent forward. And behold, a woman was lying at his feet. And he says, who are you? What, what's going on here? This is not what I expected. She said, I'm Ruth, your maid. So spread your covering over your maid. For you're a close relative. And so, accept me. Let, let me let me come to you, and and you to me. And you are the one who can do this because you're that again close relative. You're that redeemer. Uh, you can uh, redeem us from our situation and help us. And he says, "May you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. May you be blessed of Jehovah." Again, for those who take this to imply immorality and additional activity far beyond 
what's necessary here for this to be accomplished. Has anybody ever, we'll just ask directly, has anybody ever fornicated and then said, may the Lord bless you? Is, is that the standard? Is that the standard wish after? I, don't, I just don't think so. May the Lord be blessed, or may you be blessed of Jehovah, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after the young men, whether rich or poor. And so there was provision in the law that uh, one would, uh, uh, it's called leveret marriage. And this is another one we sometimes use these words. Leveret is a Latin word that means brother-in-law. Although sometimes it was a duty fulfilled by a cousin, but we just sometimes seem to use words that intentionally confuse things. So we have a Hebrew custom that we in English describe with a Latin word. Uh, so uh, this idea that you would raise up a, 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 a child in the name of your brother, and again, it, it would extend to further uh, sometimes relations than that, that she she has considered a marriage to him and is open certainly to a marriage to him based on provisions of the law, based on propriety, uh, based on an honorableness, again, which just seems to fly in the face of any intimation that this was untoward. Uh, she is she is considering all things with an eye to God, decency, propriety, and God's law. And he blesses for that. And so, as it, uh, you know, what does Proverbs say? Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. It appears she had both of those. But that's not what she's relying on to get a husband. But a woman who fears the Lord, she will be praised. And in this case, in the book of Ruth, Again, not to give away the ending, but she ends up being well-praised. Give her the product of her hands. Let her works praise her in the gates. Yes, she will be publicly recognized for her virtue when this is done. And so now, my daughter, verse 11, do not fear. I will do whatever you ask. A man knows when he's been maneuvered. <laughs> A man knows when it's good. When it's good. Uh, what does the Proverbs also say? One of the mysterious things of a way of a man with a maid. He knows that... Uh, uh, he he'll take her. He he knows that this is, is set up for his good and hers. I'll do whatever you ask, for all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. And so now she's been there for several weeks, maybe maybe months. She's been there long enough for two harvest. They've seen her work every day. She's worked and talked with and spent time with uh, the the other maidens in the fields. Uh, she's talked to people who are. You know, the, the neighbors, uh, she's been to, uh, you know, whatever Sabbath observances there are. Uh, she's been to uh, the things that would happen in town. Uh, cer certainly they must have had, you know, at the end of the one harvest, they must have had festivals, even as we still have today, it, and them even more so. She, she's been in town. Everybody in town knows her. And everybody in town recognizes what an excellent person she is. But he says, since we're respecting the law, he says, it is true I'm a close relative, but there's a relative closer than I. Remain this night when morning comes. If he will redeem you, good. Let him redeem you. But if he does not wish to redeem you, then I will redeem you as Jehovah lives. Lie down until morning. So stay here until light because my danger is to go out in the dark. So you stay here with me, but you just know when, when morning comes, We'll take care of this, but we have somebody else 
who is a closer relative than me. He has the opportunity to redeem. But don't worry, me or him, somebody's taking care of this because it's only right to do. So she laid his feet until morning. She rose before one could recognize her. And he said, let it not be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. Again, if she was caught there, what would that look like? People make intimations that that's what it was, but no, but certainly everybody knows, yeah, that's what that would look like. So uh, observing propriety, uh, she leaves. Get the cloak that is on you and hold it up. And so she held it up and he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her and she went into the city. So he sends her away with a nice gift. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, well, how did it go, my daughter? And she told her all the man had done. And she said, these six measures of barley he gave to me. For he said, do not go to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then she said, wait, my daughter, until you know how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest until he settled it today. So it's interesting. He said in the middle of the night, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it today. And Naomi says, he's going to take care of this today. So Naomi, uh, she knew them both. Uh, she saw, uh, you know, she advised this course of action at this time. She, certainly she she saw in Ruth uh, reason to advise this. I'm pretty sure of small town and the fact that uh, Boaz was a relative. I'm pretty sure she saw in him also the reason to have confidence in this. Uh, but we have an acceptance. So, Again, just a beautiful story, uh, other than uh, the intimations that people falsely make about it. But the hope of a kinsman, the Redeemer, through this story, as she sort of proves herself and he sort of proves himself, uh, provision uh, and gratitude all the way around, an approach and the acceptance of the approach. So a lovely story, again, in the horrible time of the things in the book of Judges. But isn't it nice when we run into people, no matter the time or the circumstance, who care for the things of God, who do the things of God. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Malvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at malvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.